from deep inside your audio device of choice. And elsewhere, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, I am uh, reliably informed by reading that uh, some people have said uh, uh, on uh, some political newsletters that have been put out this week, wow, this week, uh, when can one sleep? Uh, the news cycle is 24 hours. This is, um, what, 2017? And somebody's just realizing that uh, the news cycle is 24 hours. Here's a, here's a bulletin. Despite the staffing and production constraints of journalistic entities like newspapers <laughs> and uh, broadcast television news <laughs> and cable news, the news cycle always has been and always will be 24 hours. And the uh, amount of attention we're paying now is probably the amount of attention citizens of a supposedly democratic republic should always be paying, perhaps minus some of the anxiety, but still. Now, for our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia, well, there's some good news, don't you know? Saudi Arabia plans to give women more control over their lives through study, work, and, stop the presses, hospital treatment. The deeply conservative kingdom is one of the most gender-segregated countries in the world, as you may know. Women live under the supervision of a male guardian. They cannot drive and must wear head-to-toe black garments in public. But it's so slimming. But Saudi media outlets report that the country's King Salman, as according to the uh, British newspaper The Independent, King Salman bin Abdulaziz Al Saud, because it is the Saudi royal family, has issued an order allowing women to benefit from government services such as education and health care without getting the consent of a male guardian. Isn't that nice? Last month there was outrage when the country was alert, uh, elected to the UN Women's Commission whose role is to shape global standards on gender equality and the empowerment of women. The UK's foreign office refused to deny that Britain had voted for Saudi Arabia's ascension to the Women's Rights Commission. Belgium's prime minister said he regretted his ambassador, ambassador's vote in favor. The new changes in Saudi Arabia mean women could, in some circumstances, study and access hospital treatment, work in the public and private sector, and represent themselves in court without the consent of a male guardian. It at least opens the door for discussion on the guardian system, said a woman's rights campaigner. It's the latest in a series of moves in Saudi Arabia to include women more in the workforce as the kingdom moves to diversify its economy away from uh, the oil thing. It started in 2011 when the late King Abdullah allowed women onto the government advisory Shura Council. Women can now vote in municipal elections, work in some retail and hospitality jobs, and were allowed, as you may recall, to compete in the Olympics for the first time. However, Saudi Arabia still ranked 141 out of 144 countries in the 2016 Global Gender Gap, a World Economic Forum study on how women fare. Hospital treatment they could get now. It's, it's all progress when you're our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. And freedom is just another word for protesting the um, taking down of 
statues commemorating Confederate heroes in New Orleans, Louisiana. This week, under cover of darkness, the city of New Orleans began and I believe completed the work of taking down the statue of the former president of the Confederacy of States of America, Jefferson Davis, the second of four Confederate monuments targeted for such moves by New Orleans after uh, a slew of fights in the city council and in court. The move happened under cover of darkness because there's been a continuing line of protests, death threats towards uh, construction companies, which were possibly going to be doing the work, and uh, death threats against uh, city officials as well. Nonetheless, the uh, Jeff Davis is down. Um, videotape of the um, demolition project showed uh, a bunch of protesters. Uh, a correspondent I know personally said, uh, yes, some of them were from out of state, Mississippi and Tennessee. Some were from New Orleans, and uh, many of them were carrying Confederate flags. As you know, on this program, that's known as the loser's flag. Hello, welcome to the show. Southland, land of cotton and loam Losers, got to have a place to call home Secession, well, it's the source of our pride Cause our kinfolk were on the losing side Yeah, our kinfolk were on the losing side the stars and bars will never be forgotten On our state flag, the X marks the spot It took bravery to fight for slavery That's how we're inclined Cause we're just the losing kind Always left behind Cause we're just the Oh, we 
don't watch, we rewind. Cause we're just a losing kind. Surrender's what we sign. Cause we're just the losing kind. See, at least you got an anthem. From Naples, Italy, ladies think, think about it. Naples, Italy, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And this week, the Trump administration, <laughs> President Trump administration, announced they want to uh, send more troops to Afghanistan. Because that's working out so well. America's longest war, ladies and gentlemen. Let's, let's keep it going. More than 11,000 citizens suffered casualties because of conflict conflict in Afghanistan last year. That's the highest number recorded since the United Nations began keeping track way back in 2009. So they waited, what, six years after the war began before they thought, let's track those casualties. Of those casualties, nearly 3,500 people were killed, according to the Office of Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. Well, you got to break some eggs. The sobering statistics come more than two years after the combat phase of the U.S. war supposedly came to a close. You may remember it was Vice President Joe Biden who said in 24, uh, the, said uh, earlier on that the United States would be out of Afghanistan by 2014, quote, come hell or high water. Apparently, neither have come. Two U.S. soldiers died in combat in Nangahar province in the last few days. U.S. forces have been supporting the Afghan government's efforts to fight Af- I- ISIS and the Taliban. Civilians are fleeing their homes in droves to avoid harm. So I guess there's a big business in droves now. The report documented more than 660,000 people who had fled their homes last year. In just one year, that's the highest number of displacements on record and a 40% increase from the year before. So that's America's longest war. Looking good. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Our house is a very, very, very smart house. Well, this this seems inevitable and overdue. Advertisers are desperate to squeeze themselves into Amazon's voice-operated home assistant. Echo, powered by Alexa. They may have found a way, according to the Register Tech Journal in England, thanks to vocal, vo- sorry, thanks to Voice Labs, which will soon add sponsored messages as a service to its analytics tools for certain apps that use Alexa-powered Echoes. In other words, apps can start pushing audio ads through Amazon's Echo. Voice Labs claim the messages will be the first voice-first advertising people will love. You will love these ads. And apparently it already has some big brands on board. One of more than a million tests of the technology, it has only a, had only a handful of complaints, according to Voice Labs. And why would they lie? How is this possible when Amazon specifically bans ads on Alexa? It doesn't ban them entirely. If you offer flash briefing skills where ads are not the core functionality of the skill, you're allowed to offer ads. Likewise, if you're streaming music or radio. A digital marketing conference this week 
saw marketing analysts say devices like the Amazon Echo and Google Home would account for 25% of digital ads within the next three years. And that's not all. Marketing companies also have in their sites virtual reality headsets. Companies are looking to do product placement in that medium. So if you're playing your new VR game later this year, don't be surprised to see a pair of Nike sneakers appearing in storefronts or a Coke can popping up on a table next to you. It's the VR advertising platform maker Vertebrae behind the efforts to monetize your eyeballs. The company has $10 million in venture capital money, and it's planning to launch version 1.0 of its software development kit very soon. That should be flawless. Vertebrae will add 3D objects rather than 2D slogans into VR content, make them more lifelike. Hey, that Coke can looks so real. We're building units and formats that are true to the medium of VR and presented in the right way as someone is navigating in a VR experience, said a spokesman for the company. By using VR, virtual reality, and AR, augmented reality, publishers and their advertisers can build native, shareable user experiences that will ultimately make ads much less intrusive, says the CEO of Appetizer Mobile, Jordan Edelson. That's right. By jamming ads into your virtual reality headset, the ads will be much less intrusive. And they'll help you figure out what's fake news, too. The smart house, ladies and gentlemen. It is just so damn dumb. And now, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersol Jr., Well, ladies and gentlemen, first the good news. The governor of Tokyo Prefecture, Yuriko Koike, says that government will, in principle, in principle, bear all the costs of temporary facilities for the 2020 Olympic and Paralympic Games to be built outside Tokyo. Following a meeting with the prime minister, Koike said the two sides agreed to seek a framework under which the Games Organizing Committee will shoulder half the costs for building the Paralympics. Oh, I see. And the other half will be equally shared by the governments. The new plan emerged because there's reluctance by the other local governments in the area to take on the costs of building temporary facilities in their prefectures. The costs to build temporary facilities in the areas outside Tokyo are now estimated to reach $385 million. They're likely to expand to $500 million if you include facilities for the events most recently added to the Olympics. Baseball! and softball. All the outlays were initially supposed to be covered by the organizing committee, and if the committee's funds fell short, the metropolitan government was supposed to make up for them. But the plan hit a snag, as the estimated costs ballooned. Perhaps ballooning should be an Olympic event. It happens so often with regard to the Games, triggering debate over the idea that part of the burden should be shouldered by the governments. Any bets? on how much the taxpayers will pay. And looking backwards for a moment, we're not supposed to do that, but what began as an investigation into the former state oil company of Brazil, Petrobras, soon has become a criminal process about the organization of the World Cup and the Olympics, paid for mostly with public funds. Really? The latest release of official documents by the Brazilian Federal Supreme Court and seen by the Observer newspaper in London shows that the venues were not only sports 
cathedrals, but alleged to have channeled millions of dollars worth of bribes. Brazil's Supreme Court has opened investigations into around 100 politicians based on hundreds of hours of testimonies by past and present executives at the construction conglomerate Odebrecht. Six out of the 12 stadiums built for the World Cup are now under investigation for irregularities and bribery. Eduardo Paes, the former mayor of Rio, supposedly a symbol of the new kind of Brazilian politician, is accused by a former Odebrecht executive of having taken about $5 million in exchange for facilitating contracts relating to the Olympic Games. The new Rio subway line, which was supposed to be a key part of the Olympic legacy, is the target of a police operation for suspicion of fraud. And the president of the Accountability Tribunal of the state of Rio is being investigated for allegedly accepting bribes in exchange for approving the contracts for the rebuilding of Maracanã Stadium. The final bill for the stadium was 75% above the initially estimated price. There's your ballooning right there. But why shouldn't things balloon at the Olympics? Because it's a movement. And we all need one. Every day. Ladies and gentlemen, science advances sometimes by subtraction. A research article on consumption of microplastics by larval fish has been reported for misconduct in research is going to be retracted from the journal Science. The researchers behind the study themselves requested the retraction earlier this month. You may recall the report. The researchers described their discovery that fish at early stages of development change their behavior and exhibit poorer growth if they have access to microplastic particles. This was published June of last year. They wrote that larval perch preferred microplastics to natural food sources such as zooplankton, leading to greatly increased mortality rates because they're not supposed to eat the plastic. They didn't involve that way. The study was reported for misconduct by a group of researchers immediately after the uh, allegation. The university, Uppsala University, initiated a preliminary investigation, commissioning an external group to state its opinion. The report from the external group of experts was completed in August and concluded that no misconduct could be established. That opinion contained, though, the opinion of the Central Ethical Review Board, contained sharp criticism of the researchers and of Uppsala University for the preliminary investigation and for the journal Science, which published the research. So they criticized everybody. The university will take both reports into account in its coming decision on the complaint of misconduct. Meanwhile, the perch are relieved. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, getting to the story which has uh, absorbed almost all the oxygen in the United States uh, this past week, although I can report that Saturday's edition of the International New York Times, the one that was distributed here in Naples, Italy, contained not one mention on its front page of a certain American president. So you know you're outside the United States when you see that. The comparisons were rife beginning almost immediately after <laughs> President Trump fired FBI Director James Comey this week. Comparisons, of course, to the Saturday Night, Saturday Night Massacre, 
uh, in which President Richard Nixon decades ago fired two successive attorneys general uh, in seeking to find someone who would follow his orders to fire the special prosecutor, Archibald Cox, who was uh, being a bit too persistent in trying to get access to um, records and ultimately tapes uh, pertaining to the Watergate investigation. Um, Nixon did not notably fire his FBI director, L. Patrick Gray, whom he had appointed to replace the recently deceased J. Edgar Hoover. There will be more, hopefully, about L. Patrick Gray and Watergate Uh, in an upcoming edition of the show. I know, it's the past, but it informs the future. But anyway, those comparisons uh, were both uh, lofted and rebutted serially uh, as the week wore on and uh, probably evinced some reaction in the most improbable place of all, a little place called heaven, where... Yeah, Nixon got in and is still taping. Um, knock, knock. Well, you don't have to knock all the minutes. It's a damn clock. Well, I, I know, but... but um, Roger, you think I give a damn about my privacy? Well, I think we all do. Well, don't um, forget one critical fact. Hoover got up here years before we did. Oh, I know, and uh, we, we, we've... We've... Sure, he covered his tracks as well as he did down there. As far, as far as our people know, hmm? he has not succeeded in wiretapping heaven. Yet. Hmm. See? Mm-hmm. That's the key thing. Yet. Long way to go. Yep. Well, <laughs> forever. Yep. That's right. Forever. Yeah, it's, that's uh, a, it's a long, long time. Well, that's what I'm saying. See? One guy from the NSA happens to get in here, and before you know it, Hoover's back in business. Well, I know you're busy. Well, you know, as I, you know, I'm just, uh, in case, uh, I'm rewriting my memoir. Huh? I just, uh, just realized I had a seventh crisis. So. Well, I, I, I just, I did, I did want to alert you. Oh, see, that's the thing up here. So little to alert people about. Yeah. <laughs> it is very calm. It's too calm, if you ask me. It is too calm. Too calm. Anyway, just wanted to bring you the, the good news before uh, mandatory volleyball. You know, if we could ever get some damn libertarians in up here. I know, but it's... Uh, <laughs> if I want to get big and fat in my post-dotage period, you know, that damn well should, should be your own business, but uh, they want... Exactly. Big Daddy. Say, Well, he does own the place. So what's the good news? I think you're finally off the hook, history-wise. They got Dean? That's uh, No, no, no. Dean's still in the clear. Damn it, all the minute. It's been, what, 40, 45 years now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, find something on Dean. Well, two problems. I think, uh, one, nobody's looking. All right, and two? Well, when we looked there, there was nothing there. All right. I, I think the Saturday Night Massacre has uh, just been one-upped, outrage-wise. <laughs> well, but I mean... If the history books have uh, room for only one metaphorical massacre... Which they do. Which they do. Um, won't be yours. Well, I'm not going to play 20 questions with you all of them, so... Trump fired his FBI director. Come? Uh, Comey. But I never knew how the fellow pronounced his damn name. But... Uh, Comey. Comey. 
Robinson. Who the hell is Robinson Kennedy? Uh, before you could say Jack Robinson. That's right, 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 right. But see, Pat Gray, he knew how to play ball. That's right. That's right. Team player. Independent as a day as long. Fiercely independent. That's right. That's right. News of the Godly. First of all, they're still doing exorcisms. An evangelical Nicaraguan pastor and four followers have been sentenced to 30 years for burning a woman to death in a so-called exorcism. Vilma Trujillo, 25 years old, died after being tied up and thrown on a fire. She's 25 years old. The group had denied killing her and said she was Possessed by the devil. Oh, well, that's the best excuse. The suffering that Trujillo was subjected to is something no human being should go through, said the judge. Pastor Juan Rocha, he's only 23, and his siblings uh, were convicted of murder. They re- received six years for illegal detention as well. The judge capped the jail time to 30 years o- overall. They killed my wife, the mother of my two little ones. Now what am I going to tell them, said the victim's husband. Tell them she was possessed by the devil. Trujillo died after a week in a hospital where she was taken to treat burns on 80% of her body. None of the men showed any reaction as the sentences were read out. And, more news of the godly, the students in the school for deaf children would call her the bad mum, the woman who was supposed to take care of them, but who they say would send them into rooms to be sexually abused by priests. Others said she committed abuse herself and would force them to watch pornography on television 
And after a five-year-old girl was sexually assaulted by the priest, the Roman Catholic nun allegedly forced her to wear a diaper in class to conceal the bleeding, according to Argentine news reports. Because the other children at the school were deaf, only the victim's abusers would have heard their cries. The nun, named Kosake Kumiko, was arrested and charged this week on suspicion of helping priests sexually abuse children at the Antonio Provolo Institute, a school for the hearing impaired in Argentina. She was also charged with physically abusing the students herself. Her arrest stems from a sex abuse scandal that has roiled the Argentine Catholic Church as well as all the way to Rome and has resulted in Vatican probes, ouch, and the arrests of two priests and three other men. At least 24 students of the Provolo Institute in Argentina have come forward seeking justice for the abuse they say they suffered years ago at the hands of two priests and three other men. The five were arrested late November. Kumiko herself, the bad nun, is believed to have been hidden in northeast Argentina or in a bordering country. She turned herself into authorities in Buenos Aires last week. She denied all allegations as she walked into the courtroom wearing her habit and a bulletproof vest. This is not the first incident of priests allegedly abusing, abusing deaf young people. There was a priest in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, some time ago, who, after he died, was revealed to have abused approximately 200 deaf boys. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Boom, 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 boom. Wanna do deaf boys boom, boom. in the next room? Boom, boom. Now they're in the closet boom, boom. between me and the broom. Boom, boom. Half a dozen deaf boys. Boom, boom. Mm, nice little crowd. Boom, boom. They can be quiet. Boom, boom. And I can be loud. Boom, boom. Four and twenty deaf boys. Boom, Take me all day, boom, boom. Barely got the time to boom, boom. eat and to pray, boom, boom. Deaf boys can't hear me coming. Deaf boys, don't you dare call it slumming. Might be a chink in my priestly paws, but how can I resist? How can deaf I resist? Boys? Half a hundred deaf boys Who got a head of steam I could be the coach They could be the team Eighty-eight deaf boys One for each key On the piano of my longing They play a hushed melody Hundred fifty deaf boys this could get tight A few dozen in the morning And all the rest at night Deaf boys can't hear me coming Deaf boys got my heartstrings strings strumming Make me make such a joyful noise Just can't get enough Just can't get enough
Now if I had a death boy For each day of the year Three hundred and sixty-five Oh, that would be dear How many death boys Have there actually been? Why not ask how many Dance on the head of a pin? The world is full of deaf boys And I'm only one man All that God expects is Do all that you can Deaf boys can't hear me coming Deaf boys got me hymning and humming A shepherd with a closet full of toys Let's hear it for those deaf boys From Naples, Italy, this is Le Show. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, just as this broadcast is in the process of being recorded, uh, an update received on the issue of the smart house. Again, about Amazon's Echo. They now sport the ability, according to the register, to take your phone calls as long as you don't ever plan on ignoring calls from anyone. The Alexa calling feature announced by Amazon this week allows Echo devices and the Alexa app to place and accept phone calls to and from other contacts who have the device. It's advertised as an easy way for Echo owners to make calls hands-free through the voice control device. Unfortunately, according to Echo owners, the feature has one serious shortfall stemming from the way it collects and handles calls from others. A marketing and events manager from Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh? Said that when she installed the Echo calling feature, the Amazon tool scanned and added all contacts from her phone who had Alexa calling on their phones and Echo boxes with no way to delete or block any of them. Among my contacts, she says, were old landlords, many co-workers, random vendor account managers, city councilmen, and, of course, crazy ex-boyfriends. She said she tried to find a way to remove or delete contacts from the app, only to realize there was no such option. That was confirmed when she talked to Amazon support. I'm sorry, you're going to have to go ahead and ignore this, they reportedly said. The smart home, ladies and gentlemen, it just gets smarter and smarter. Now, of course, the big news of the week in the United States, the firing of uh, FBI Director James Comey. And um, this is the leakiest White House ever. I think everybody down to the cleaning lady is uh, calling a reporter immediately after anything happens. And so we have just a jumble of accounts of what really happened this week, almost all of them conflicting and contradicting the versions offered at the lectern, not the podium, You stand on the podium, you stand at the lectern by Assistant White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee, yes, related, Sanders, since uh, Sean Spicer was off at Naval Reserve duty this week, Uh, most of the week, that is to say. Uh, and, And her accounts were contradicted even 
by the president himself when he appeared on NBC in an interview with Lester Holt on Thursday. So as I say, there there's a jumble of accounts. What we can piece together is that contrary to the impression of Donald Trump, <laughs> President Trump, as a totally impulsive figure, the animus towards James Comey had been building in him for some time and had reached a, uh, a boiling point after Comey testified before Congress last week. Uh, that's the best we can make out from friends of the president who've leaked like sieves. Do your friends leak? Mine don't. Anyway, the the resulting frenzy has made it less likely that the president's goal, stated goal, of getting the investigation into supposed Russian contacts with the Trump campaign to be resolved quickly. And now there are uh, old stories about the new deputy director of the FBI, uh, who is Mr. McCabe, who testified before Congress after the Cheney firing, about his contacts through his wife, I believe, with uh, an associate of Hillary Clinton, Terry McAuliffe, the prolific Clinton fundraiser who was later governor of New Jersey, <laughs> governor of Virginia. So it it's like the Russia thing itself. It just becomes another hall of mirrors in which everything that you see is two-dimensional, except for this. This week, for the first time, the wheels come off the wagon, the train goes off the rails, and for the businessman turned president, there's only one big task, getting to next week. Carl, Carl Icahn. Hey, sir, how's it going? Have you been seeing this? Um, unless it's my stock portfolio, probably not. What's up? Besides my stock portfolio. This Comey guy is killing me. He's sitting there talking Russia, 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 and I'm yelling at him. What about the damn leaks? What? He's there with you? He's on the TV. He's a disaster. He's like China on steroids. He's like Mexico on acid. Yeah, he's bad. Good. We agree. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm just hearing what you... So what do we do? Me, I'm going to sell about 100,000 shares of Snap. It's tanking. I mean about Comey. You want my honest opinion? You know I value honesty above everything else, except loyalty. And fame. And fame, good. Again, we're on the same page. So, your task right now is to tell me what to do. You're the president. You can do anything you want. You know what? That's what I thought. But you know me, I hate to fire people. I mean, that th- that firing thing was made up for TV, so... So, sometimes you have to do something you hate. For me, most of the time, but... Okay, good job. Thank you. And by the way... Yep. When you sell Snap, buy Kushner. I knew Kushner wasn't a publicly traded company, but uh, I wasn't going to tell him that. Not right then. Sean. Yes, sir. Not a good look for our team. What are you doing wrong? Well, I'm not doing the briefings this week. I'm on Naval Reserve duty. Mm -hmm. Are we paying you to do that? Well, the the country is, so in a matter of speaking... Speaking is exactly what I'm talking about. And vice versa. 
Who's who's speaking up for us? Well, Sarah's a good team member, and uh, frankly, the team isn't very deep beyond her. Which is to say, there's nobody beyond her except the kid who gets the coffee. Mm -hmm. Can he talk? Mm -hmm. Diversity higher. He stutters. Okay. Your task, right here, right now, is to get back to the briefing thing. Get the right story out there. Make us great again. Can you do that? Yeah, I'll get a waiver from my superior officer. Actually, sir, you could get me one. You're his commander-in-chief. Mm -hmm. Just happens there are a few other things on my plate. This is your thing. It'll help you stay on the team. Mm. If it buys me one more day, I'll do it. That's a deal I can make. Rupert. Seems a bit uh, messy over there, my friend. Nah, I should have fired Comey the day I announced I was running. Oh, that would have been too early. Too early, too late. I'm beginning to think there's no right time to fire your FBI director. Don, enough ruminating about the past. You think I even think about Roger Isles anymore? I know you don't. That's right. Reason I'm still in control of my company instead of my two idiot sons is because I keep looking to the future. That's what you should be doing. Rupert, your task this week is to help me do just that. No worries. Look, maybe I can help you by helping myself. Oh, we love win-win. Can you do that? Look, Noah Riley, Tucker's numbers are trending downward. Big hole at Fox News. Oh, that's my go-to network. I'm still watching. But I need a piece of A-level talent to take over at 9 o'clock before the whole network goes down the old toyser. Mm. You want suggestions? I want you. Rupert, get serious. How would it look? Oh, it would look like instead of going upstairs at 9 to watch TV, you go upstairs at 9 to be on TV. Think about it. Great direct pipeline to your base. I got Twitter. And I don't have to wear makeup for Twitter. I hate makeup. Right. Look, it's just a suggestion. Think about it. Mm, it would be a first. I need a real attention grabber for the slot. If it isn't you... Yeah. I'd have to go with Comey. I've already been talking to his agent. Comey's got an agent? I should have fired him before he was appointed. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're gonna make the FBI great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The Presidentus. This week, don't think it can't get any stranger.
ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week. Pizza Hut International has apologized for a post this week by its Israel branch that made light of a hunger strike by Palestinian prisoners after Mawan Baghouti was uh, caught on tape breaking his hunger strike in prison. Pizza Hut Israel posted a screenshot from the video with a photoshopped pizza box in the caption, Barghouti, if you're going to break the strike, isn't pizza better? The post created a firestorm and forced the international brand to apologize publicly on its main Facebook page in both English and Arabic. The brand condemned the post. Quote, Pizza Hut International apologizes for any offense caused by a recent post on Pizza, Pizza Hut Israel's Facebook page. It was completely inappropriate and does not reflect the values of our brand. The local franchise in the country removed it immediately and the relationship with the agency that posted it was terminated. And we truly regret any hurt this may have caused, unquote. Pizza Hut Israel deleted the post from its page offering a slightly less comprehensive apology. Quote, it was intended to be a humorous post making Pizza Hut Israel's delivery services and was removed after a request from the management of the international chain. Unquote. Humor by pizza amateurs. Barkudi has been in an Israel prison since 2002, where he's serving five life sentences on terrorism convictions. That'll teach him. Last month, he announced a hunger strike by Palestinian prisoners. But on Sunday, the Israel Prison Service released a video of him eating, among other things, a candy bar. A clothing company has apologized after a racist, user-created T-shirt slipped through a filtration system and ended up for sale on its website, Teespring, a custom design company which allows users to create and sell products like T-shirts and mugs. No tote bags? Has sold more than $300 million in products since founding by two college seniors six years ago. The San Francisco-based company said it has a system that can tag and remove racist and offensive content from its website, but due to a combination of coding issues and human error. A t-shirt reading, quote, black women are trash, unquote, went on sale last weekend. The design reportedly created by a Twitter user was made in response to another t-shirt that read, quote, men are trash. The debate is getting sophisticated. After receiving major backlash on social media over the shirts, Teespring removed the design and apologized, saying it uses a combination of automated and human review to monitor content. Both means, unfortunately, failed to prevent the racist campaign. Sounds like Facebook. That is to say, automated and human filtration both failed. Deadline London Barclays Bank shareholders vented their frustrations with James Staley, the bank's chief executive, this week after he was caught up in a regulatory inquiry over his treatment of a whistleblower's complaint. At the bank's annual meeting in London, one shareholder called for him to step down, and another later asked for him to resign immediately. Step down from the stage, another asked for him to step down from the company. Uh, on Wednesday, he offered another in a series of public apologies for his actions. Quote, I feel it is important that I acknowledge to you, our shareholders, that I made a mistake in becoming involved in an issue which I should have left to the business to deal with. I have apologized to the board, and I would today like to apologize to you as well for that error. Unquote. The error is that he's being investigated after he sought to learn the identity of a whistleblower after the company received two anonymous letters that involved a former colleague of J.P. Morgan Chase, whom he had hired. The bank has previously said it would formally reprimand Staley and make a very significant compensation adjustment to his bonus after investigators completed their work. Like no bonus? Like a nonus? Deadline Queensland, Australia, Premier Anastasia Palasuk has delivered an historic apology to Queenslanders vilified, harassed, and jailed over their sexuality in an emotional address to state parliament. 
with some hundreds of Queenslanders affected by the criminalization of homosexuality watching. Ms. Palachuk delivered an apology. She said that while belated, was nonetheless sincere and heartfelt. Quote, today this legislative assembly acknowledges the harm that has been inflicted by past convictions for homosexual activity between consenting adults in Queensland. We acknowledge those whose lives were affected, not only those burdened with criminal convictions, but also their partners, their mothers and fathers, their brothers and sisters, their children and all their families and friends. In criminalizing homosexual Sexual activity between consenting adults, the legislative assembly of this state, dishonored its citizens and institutionalized prejudice and discrimination. To those people, we are also sorry. You were denied the opportunity to openly declare your love for one another, to celebrate that love, and to enjoy all that a loving relationship can give. To those persons who face the ignominy of being charged by police, of appearing before the courts, and being punished for merely expressing, expressing their sexuality, we say sorry, unquote. That ladies and gentlemen, is an apology. And a feel-good video of the Pope dancing with a group of rabbis at the Vatican. Okay, let's just... The Pope has met with Bill O'Reilly, he's going to meet with <laughs> President Trump, and has met with a group of rabbis. He'll meet with anybody. Anyway, the feel-good video didn't feel so good to some Orthodox Jews whose criticisms do an apology from one of the rabbis involved. Rabbi Dovber Pinson, a Chabad rabbi, now, Rabbi, now you can dance. And the dean of the yeshiva in Brooklyn wrote a letter of apology to students and friends saying the viral video is, quote, unfortunately clouding the important mission I was there to accomplish, unquote. Following the viral virality of the video, contributors to an Orthodox website debated whether the group of rabbis should have met with Pope Francis at all. One concern was the large cross worn by the Pope during the audience, which suggested the rabbis were in the presence of, quote, idol worship, unquote. Critics have also questioned whether the rabbi should have engaged in music and singing during the days of semi-morning leading up to a minor festival to be marked. Today, Pinson wrote, the singing and dancing began spontaneously without my foreknowledge or consent, and that he did not want to embarrass the singers of the Pope by cutting it off too quickly. The Pope was seen in the video swaying to the music. Pope, stop swaying. Now, please. Pinson uh, stressed that the meeting was held in the Pope's private office and dealt in part with the ideas of pure monotheism, hoping to increase the awareness of oneness of God among mankind as a true and only source of all life. He called the meeting a sanctification of God name, God's name. Quote, is my deep regret that this video was released at all, which was accidental, and that the visit was portrayed in such a way. The uh, Pope hold, held a 45-minute audience with the group, which was led by Rabbi Edgar Gluck of both Brooklyn and Poland. The uh, Pope, according to Gluck's son, pledged to work toward enacting stronger rules against destroying Jewish cemeteries to build roads or homes. The group also discussed with the Pope the problem of child abuse. I bet Bill O'Reilly didn't discuss that with him. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And quickly, just one note on news of the atom. That uh, large sinkhole that caved in a tunnel filled with radioactive waste at Hanford, the Hanford nuclear plant, it built uh, plutonium-based uh, weapons during uh, the Cold War. That sinkhole may have gone unnoticed for days before its discovery because workers at the plant do not patrol tunnel sites daily, according to the Department of Energy. The sinkhole was found Tuesday, prompting an emergency at the Hanford Nuclear Reservation with evacuations of some workers and orders for others to stay inside buildings scattered across the 500-square-mile location for radioactive waste. Dating from World War II, uh, authorities plan to investigate why and when the roof of the tunnel suffered a partial cave-in. 
creating the sinkhole that poured dirt into the tunnel, containing railroad cars filled with high-level nuclear waste. The cave-in could have happened as many as four days before its discovery, according to the Energy Department spokesperson. No radiation escaped into the environment before the sinkhole was filled in with 54 truckloads of soil. The tunnel was built of concrete and wood, which was decomposing thanks to the high level of radiation being beamed at it by the waste. News of the Atom, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. The USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant. Don't get it in its way, WBCQ. On the Mighty 104 in Berlin, on the Mighty Soho Radio in London, available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want at harryshare.com and kcsn.org, and available as a free podcast from Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, TuneIn.com, iTunes, and WWNO.org. And it will be just like another week of 24-hour news cycles coming at us, if you agree to be with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago in exile and Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, a playlist of the music heard here on, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, and a complete archive of the show going back oh so far, all at harryshare.com. And me, I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. Arrivederci from Naples.